The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And Jesus said to his disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And your friend answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there any father among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give the child a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In today's Gospel from Luke chapter 11, we have this wonderful request by the disciples of Jesus to teach them how to pray as Jesus prays. Jesus complies with their request because Jesus, being the second person of the Trinity, wants nothing else but to enter into a more intimate dialogue of love with all his creatures. This goes back all the way to the book of Genesis chapter 1, where we have God speaking creation into being. That's very intentional. God could have created the world any way he thought, but to speak it, to say, let there be light. That means that God has already hinted that he is desirous of relating to his creation. Not by any kind of force, it's not there must be, but let there be. Not like the pagan myths of violence, but a real gentleness. In Genesis chapter 1, when it comes to creating humankind, there is a subtle shift in the dialogue within God himself. God says, let us. There's the hint of the Trinity, that plurality within God, which is an aspect of relationship within God. Let us make man in our image. 
and likeness. Why? Because God wants a relationship with us. And so he gives us a rational nature, an intellect that can think, a will to love, freedom, so that we can freely choose to enter into a dialogue of ever-deepening intimacy and love. That's why Jesus is so anxious to answer this question by his disciples, because what do they see Jesus doing? Praying, not just occasionally, but all the time. Not in an abstract manner, but intimately with his Father. Now, it's not as if the Jews did not know how to pray. They were raised as children, learning the Old Testament prayers, the Shema. The Old Testament is filled with prayers. The entire book of Psalms is a book of prayers. But this particular way that Jesus prays was unknown in the Old Testament, because Jesus prays to his Father. That's what the disciples are asking. Help us to pray that way. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way, Father. That's how to begin every prayer, Father. We are children of God through our baptism. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Those first two petitions are directed not from our need, but recognizing who God is and God's plans. So we start by addressing God in this very reverent way and saying, may your name be hallowed. Now, we know that God's name can be taken in vain, in anger, in slander. We're reminded here of the awesomeness of God and the intimacy. Father, may your name be hallowed by me and your kingdom come in my life, in my soul. May your will be my will. May we be united in such an intimate way that your kingdom is manifested through me. Now with that opening acknowledgement of God, then Jesus says, now you can pray your own petitions. But here's the petitions I want you to pray. Give us each day our daily bread. That daily is repeated. Give us each day our daily bread. It's an awkward way of phrasing it, but it has a real meaning in the underlying Greek. It's actually give us this day our super substantial bread, this bread that is above nature. So it has a dual aspect. Give us the bread we need, that is the physical food for our physical nourishment, but also give us that super substantial bread. And that goes back to the book of Exodus where God rained down manna daily for the people so that they could survive their trek through the desert. That now is being fulfilled with the Eucharist. Christ alludes to that in John chapter 6 where he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven, that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats of me, my flesh, and drinks my blood, has eternal life, I will raise them up. So this prayer, the Our Father, directly is acknowledging this great gift of Christ in the Eucharist. To prepare ourselves to receive the Eucharist, Jesus says, pray for forgiveness of sins, as you have forgiven those who have sinned against you. Beautiful. And lead us not into temptation. 
That last petition causes some people confusion. How can God lead us into temptation? But that's not the meaning. Rather, it's an awkward translation, but again, in the original language, it really means, let us not yield to temptation. So we're asking for strength from God that we would not yield ourselves to the tempter. And that's what it means. Lead us not into temptation. Give us the strength. It's a beautiful prayer. It's the shortened version of the longer Matthew's Gospel, but it's essentially the same. Now, it's not enough for Jesus to teach his disciples how to pray. He really wants them to pray, not just once in a while. And that's why he tells the parable about persistence in prayer. And so this friend has a friend that comes to him. He's out of bread. He wants to provide for his friend. So he goes to his neighbor and says, provide, please, three loaves for this guest who has arrived. But the neighbor's in bed. He doesn't want to get up. And he refuses. But that person does not give up. He persists and persists. He keeps knocking, banging on the door so that the person will not ever get to sleep. And so he has to get up. And indeed, he gets up and provides for the need. Jesus is saying that kind of prayer is what God wants. That abandon, that almost shameless persistence, not being in any way deterred. Because it's not just the petition, it's this relationship that God desires. And when we continue to pray and persist and recognize that we need God totally, that deepens our relationship. So I say, ask, and it will be given. Search, and you will find. Knock, the door will be opened. But then he ends that by saying, the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So even if we don't get the particular petition that we're looking for, or it's delayed, the fact that we've prayed, we've directed our concern to God, he does give us the Holy Spirit. Every time we deepen our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit is deepened in us, and prayer does that. That's why God insists on this reckless abandon, shameless persistence. And he gives us an example of this in the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 18, a classic prayer of shameless persistence. Abraham has a relationship with God. He's a righteous person. And because of that friendship, friends can demand things from their friends. Abraham knows that God is bound to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and his nephew Lot and family live there. And so here begins this shameless bargaining, bartering, starting with 50. If even you find 50 righteous, Lord, surely you're not going to destroy these two cities. And the Lord accedes, and then he barters them down all the way to 10, because he figures, well, Lot and his family at least make up ten, and that'll spare the whole city. God acknowledges that and gives him that request. There's another subtle point, though, in that first reading, and that is that the prayer of a righteous person avails much. Abraham was righteous in God's eyes. That prayer of a righteous person availing much is a direct quote from the New Testament letter of James, chapter 5. That's why we ask the Blessed Virgin Mary. Who is more holy than Mary? No one except Christ. 
And so we come to Mary and we ask her to intercede for us as Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. God gives us another example in the book of Job, where Job's three friends have so displeased God in their so-called explanations to Job of his suffering that God says he's very displeased. There's that hint that they're in big trouble. But he says, go to my servant Job and ask him to pray for you. And they do. Job prays for them and they are spared because, again, Job is a righteous person. So all of this is directed toward prayer, and it's such an important aspect of our lives. There's the old saying, the Nike commercial, just do it. That's the best way to pray. Because we can think about praying, read about praying, write about it, we can talk about it, but we've got to actually do it. Just do it, and God will take care of the rest. He will provide the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit will intercede for us with groans when we don't know how to pray. When we start, and even though we're confused or distracted or tired, God will fill in the rest. Just as he did with that young boy who, when there was 5,000 who needed to be fed and there was no food, God asked the disciples, you feed them, and they would complain, well, there's no food, and this boy says, well, I've got a couple of fish and loaves of bread, what's that? Jesus takes it and multiplies it, because that boy acted. That's what prayer is. We have many excuses why we can't pray or shouldn't pray, busyness, fatigue, and so on. And we have an enemy, Satan, hates prayer. Because every time we pray, light shines in our soul and we're strengthened. Prayer is a battle. And when we want to pray, all of a sudden in our mind, all kinds of objections are raised. But just do it. And the highest form of prayer is what we're doing right now. The Mass. It's a Trinitarian prayer. Praying with Christ, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit, to the Father. And then God responds by feeding us with him very self. Prayer answered. Let us rejoice that we have this marvelous opportunity every day to enter into this mysterious dialogue with the creator of the whole universe and be strengthened, enter into this joy, confidence that God is with us and with God with us, who can be against us?